Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing in Real Estate. Today I have a very special guest. Her name is Alice. Alice is a property manager, real estate investor. She comes from a family of property managers. That's basically how she got started. She's also the CEO and founder of EasyTrustMaker.com. Alice, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Very, very excited to have you here today. I guess we'll dive right in. Hey, Alice, how'd you get started in real estate? Um, so you kind of said it at the start there. So um, I grew up around, my parents were property managers of motels and hotels uh, in Washington and Idaho. And then the last thing we managed was an RV park that had 170 units. Wow. Slips. And that was like the start. And we were always the people who made other people, I say millions of dollars. And then we were the ones eating Taco Bell and they were eating like fancy wine and drinking <laughs> eating fancy cheese and drinking fancy wine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how like I realized that property was um, lucrative. Okay. Are you sure you're not the ones drinking fancy wine? I see you right drinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do podcasts or any presentations without alcohol. <laughs> I mean, it helps you get, help you get inside the mood, you know, but that's yeah. really cool. How long ago did you start into real estate on your own? Um, it was 2016 mm-hmm. and my parents were like, we're going to retire and they were going to retire from the RV resort. Oh. It had been sold to another, um, owner. So mm-hmm. we were always like managing it and it sold like, so my dad was the reason why it was worth so much more because he got the rents raised. He evicted like mm-hmm. the tenants that weren't that great and all that dirty work. And then we were in charge of like, um, managing the contractors who came in and put storage. So that sold. And my mom was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And so then that's when I was like, well, shoot, they're going to retire and they don't have like any money. And so I bought a duplex and they lived in one side and we managed the other side. And that's how it started. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about where you bought your duplexes and sharing numbers as well? So people know. Yeah. So um, I buy in Spokane, Washington. I do that. People are like, Oh, is there a secret sauce? And I believe in buying either where your partner knows or where, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, like I hear this all the time. People are like, Oh, I'm going to go to Florida. And I'm like, if you've never been to Florida, like why the heck would you just, mm-hmm. unless you want a vacation there. Um, number wise, um, you don't totally hit the 1% rule here. You can make it hit the 1% rule, um, after like a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I buy it cause I know like I can look at a map from, um, on Google and I know like this is the good locations. These are the bad locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I'd want to live. Yeah. Did you grow up in Spokane, Washington? Yeah, I was born in Oakland, um, lived on a replica by pirate ship, and then we moved to Idaho, which is really close to, and the panhandle right next to Spokane, Washington. <laughs> yeah, I just want to give our listeners a little background on yourself as well. Because I know, I mean, right now, obviously, you live in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're CEO of your company, and you're investing back home, which is good. Um, I think that anywhere that you choose to invest, it has to be somewhere that you can see yourself living. And that you feel that you feel like you're super comfortable, like investing in the area. I love it. Yes, mm-hmm. um, that's another key thing. Um, I'm not very into like properties that I don't see myself living in. Okay, um, and I'm, 
I'm kind of a sucker for curb appeal. So if a property mm-hmm. has good curb appeal, I'm more likely to bid more money on it. <laughs> so you so, being a flipper, you can sucker me into some deals. <laughs> at least now I know. <laughs> so what kind of criteria do you look for when you make a purchase for your property? Like, let's say some a real estate agent sends you a deal. Like, what's the first thing you look at? And how do you, how do you go through your criteria and how do you run your numbers? Yeah. So I actually don't just like look in Spokane. I look in um, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I've, I've looked in like Oakland. Um, mm-hmm. But after looking in Oakland for quite a while, I was like, these aren't the numbers I, I like. And the appreciation isn't. So I look at population. I think that's the number one thing. Is it going up? I see a lot of people um, like pitching like Alabama. And I'm like, I don't see a lot of people. I don't ever hear people like, I'm going to go to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spokane is like pretty, pretty flat, but it goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, like San Francisco, I would be like more than willing to buy there if if I could get more properties for my money. But mm-hmm. I have like I want to buy more things. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, population, job growth, and it sounds like so obvious, but I think that's really mm-hmm. important because that's what how are people going to buy your properties when you want to sell? Um, as yeah, as far as the properties themselves, um, I made myself a spreadsheet when I got really obsessed with property. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have. And it calculates, it's kind of like the bigger pockets calculator, but okay. mine is a lot faster because with bigger pockets, you have to enter like a ton of different variables. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want it to check, it checks for the 1% rule. It checks for, a f- oh, I'm gonna, I should bring it up. I don't know. I have a copy of it, but these days I just eyeball. Yeah. Okay. Can you explain to our listeners what's the one, what's a 1% rule? You know, I don't even know anymore. It's a, okay. So I just say it like this. <laughs> $100,000, it should bring in $1,000 of rent. That's right. Or, or That's somewhere right. near it. I don't even know. My, my formulas do it for me now. <laughs> That's the 1% rule. That's good though. I mean, in ter- I mean, that criteria aside, like, as you're looking at the property, do you, have your, do you walk through your property yourself? Do you have people walk through it? Do you trust like invest? I know you, I know you live in San Francisco, but how do you trust investing from remote? Like you have your property managers walk through it, your real estate agent walks through it. And how, how did you make that decision? Like just by investing out of state, you know? Yeah. Um, so if it's in a town where I am, I will walk through it myself. Okay. Um, and if it's out of town, I usually, so my mom lives here and okay. I'm in Spokane right now and um, I'll call her and I'll say, Hey, I think this property is awesome. And she's really finicky. She's, I call her my Asian landlady. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what I do without her. And she'll be like, Alice, it's just so bad. I hate it here. It's so bad. I'd never live here. Uh-huh. And so basically I get like the gist of how she feels about it just by the driving path. First she drives past it. And mm-hmm. then if we like it, cause it's not too hot in some markets. Like if it's a hot mark, like right now it's pretty hot. I'll just be like, let's view it. Let's make an offer. Yeah, Spokane is really good right now. Yeah. So, um, if sometimes the property owner like doesn't want to show you, they just want the offer. So I'll make an offer contingent on an inspection. Okay. Um, yeah. And then I sometimes will, I'll just ask my brother, my brother's here too. He'll like take a lot of photos for me and I'll be like, you know what? Let's just go with it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I. Do you also make decisions based off the disclosures and the inspections that you see? So that's where um, Washington is very different from California. In fact, I think mm-hmm. California is an outlier because um, I've made offers in other states too. Mm-hmm. Uh, in California, you will get the disclosures ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to take like sellers want that to not be a contingency, but in Washington, you, me, the buyer, um, or my partners, when we're buying together, will buy the, we'll put that as an inspection contingency. Okay. Yeah. 
So disclosure is not disclosed first. It is disclosed as a contingency inspection. Yes. So often you'll just give the asking price and that's when you'll figure out, okay, there's all these broken things. We have to ask for a discount. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. That's, I didn't know that. I learned something today. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I mean, can we walk through your portfolio right now? Um, I know you understand you have a duplex in Spokane and you're looking for more properties. Um, how do you how do you get leads for properties? Like, do you talk to real estate agents? Do you post ads? Like, how do how do you do it? Yeah, so I've done a number of different things, both in Oakland and um, San Francisco, and then here. Um, I've found that like the off markets in the Bay, you probably know this really well. Like, they tend to be overpriced, and I've found better deals like through the MLS mm-hmm. um, in Spokane. Uh, it's MLS. Okay. Uh, yeah, or at least I feel like that's been my experience because like I get, I get, I used to post on Craigslist and then I get these people wanting outlandish amounts of money for their crummy mm-hmm. properties mm-hmm. or properties that would take so much rehab cost. Um, for Spokane, I have a mix of both MLS and then also just um, knowing agents and then reaching out to them um, and being top of mind. Um, I think the number one thing is making sure that they feel confident that you have money. Okay. Um, and that used to be like a big question, like, should I have the money or the deal first? I'm a big proponent to like have the money first. Mm-hmm. But nowadays like that's pretty easy due to like hard money and everything that you kind of just borrow the proof of funds and show all these agents, hey, I'm actually a really big baller. <laughs> I feel like um, people that aren't in San Francisco don't do that as much. Really? It's, it's more... So the lender I'm working with right now, she is so traditional and I had to teach her like different loan programs and she's great, but Wait, you're a, you're a lender and you have to teach her different loan programs. She's a lender. And like, I had to tell her like, this is the oh, wow. program I want. And it, like, Californians seem to know it, uh-huh. but like they don't know them here. I don't quite know why that is, but okay. it's more like relaxed here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, mean, I know California is pretty known for like, it's fast clothes. Like how What's the average length of time of closing in Spokane? It's not just all of Washington or like besides Seattle. I feel like most of Washington, um, like there's pu- uh, a lot of different places I've made offers. Um, it's about two months. So it's 60 months? days. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I, t- I try to make it a little bit shorter, like 45. 45 days. That's yeah. Like- and which is like, and even me, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, why can't we get the loan documents? Why is the appraisal going to take two weeks to order? Yeah. So California, you guys, we, we know what we're doing. California. <laughs> we're hustling. Yeah, I think California, the fastest I close, I'm like, through a regular conventional loan is 21 days. You know? I wanted to do that. I was like, yeah. I'm ready to go. I got the cash liquid. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Thanks, Alice. Um, let's talk about how do you keep yourself motivated from time to time? Like, what, do you have any rituals that you follow? Do you have any morning routines? I know you're ultra motivated, Alice. I see you at every single meetup for the past two years. You, you too. <laughs> so how do you keep yourself motivated? How do you keep yourself, like, what is your routine, you know? Yeah. Um, so I used to be addicted to dating apps, and then I just came to terms <laughs> that that's not going to happen. So now I flipped all the dating apps, and I put them in a useless <laughs> life folder on my iPhone, and then I switched it all with real estate apps. So I'm at the front mm-hmm. page. So whenever I want to click on OkCupid or Hinge, I'm like, oh, or Tinder, I, there's only Realtor.com or Zillow. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to swipe. Swiping on 
on people, I swipe on property. Okay. That's the first thing. Like changing your phone is huge. If you can just take out the stupid apps you're doing, you're using. Um, as far as motivation, like I think the inner motivation, my running joke, but I think it's kind of serious. Is so I grew up on a replica of a pirate ship. Mm-hmm. I thought about this question beforehand and I was like, I'm pretty sure this is it. And um, we sold the pirate ships. That was one of the deals I did. I sold it with my aunt and it, it went viral. Like it went on Craigslist and then the news, like some news reporter came and like interviewed us and they everyone wanted a pirate ship. <laughs> yeah, we sold it for a song, but it went viral. And after that, I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm done with boats. I'm done with boats and funky, funky pieces of property that like aren't on pieces of land. And that's mm-hmm. where like my motivation comes from because I never want to be in a place where I'm living in an RV, which I've lived in an RV. I've lived in a mobile home, an apartment. I didn't know what central heating and air conditioning was until like recently. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to use a dishwasher. And so that's where like my passion for property comes in. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what drives me. Okay. Um, so you just have a natural dry with all without much routine to keep yourself in, in check. Okay. Yeah, I think it's fear of failure too. If you okay. inflict fear upon you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really cool. I mean, you're, that means you're naturally motivated. You don't need any kind of affirmation going on. Because like for myself, I wake up every morning and I do a little bit of affirmation where I tell myself like, I can do this. Like I'm going to go out and find that deal. I'm going to talk to X amount of agents. But it's it's really interesting listening to someone just as motivated, not motivated in the real estate world, and have such a an interesting morning routine and affirmation process. You know, I wonder really- what my affirmation is now that you say you have one. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's just me flailing about, and I'm like, "Gotta get to work! Gotta get to work!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I mean, you're in the right. You're in a you're in a very good track. You know, you're founder of a tech company, and you're doing real estate investments. The future is really bright. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about what are your real what are your real estate goals for this year, and what's your real estate goals five years from now? Can you walk us through year by year? Yeah. Um. So I usually think of like the bigger picture. Um. But I was reading that question before, like talking with you right now, and I was thinking about it. So I've been meeting with a lot of agents in town. That's why I'm here, and I'm not in the Bay right now. But I'm going back to the Bay soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I want to go bigger. So I was talking with some of the agents here and they're like, we have tons of deals yeah. and we don't have any dough. And I was like, well, I have a lot of friends with dough and they keep asking me to do deals with me. Um, and I'm just like, no, no, I'd rather do it myself. So I think I want to go bigger and like partner with mm-hmm. someone. Okay. If you know anyone like looking to partner. Of course. Um, I have like friends asking all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, there, and it's better here because when you do a five unit plus, you end up getting the six to 7% cap rate. Okay. Um, I'm pretty religious when I'm looking because I did an offer on a mobile home park um, last year, I believe. I don't even remember anymore. And like when you're going with a commercial loan, it's much more strict. Um, The properties I do are like duplexes and um, under four or four or less. Um, So that's more wishy-washy, right? You're just like, it's an emotional buy. Mm -hmm. Um, But with commercial, like I want to get a long-term, like a 10-year loan on it. where balloon. Oh, 10-year commercial loan with a balloon? Yes, with the balloon at the 10. And so with that, I have to be like really finicky. Like it has to hit the 6% cap rate if it's a mobile home park. And then mm-hmm. bank commercial loans have certain requirements. So yeah, um, and I think that's what, like, the right way to go because then you can add value and you guarantee the return. Okay. When you mentioned 6% return, 
are you talking about 6% in A class, B class neighborhoods only? Or would the 6% also include like C and D class? So me personally, like when I'm not in places like the Bay or high growth areas, I really like B um, and I'm, I kind of avoid C. I'm not very pro C. I'm very A, B. So mm-hmm. here it's like six, seven. Um, and the places in Washington, if you're in Seattle, like it's going to be less, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like we don't have the gentrification in Spokane and like mm-hmm. in other towns, I'm sure like your viewer or listeners um, they're from smaller towns and like, have they seen their towns gentrify? Like they probably mm-hmm. haven't. Unlike where you live, like Oakland, like that's mm-hmm. booming. <laughs> so if you were to pick in like the kind of the C classes in Washington, you're probably going to like a 10, 12%, okay. but it's just like, I don't see the growth that out of state people project. Like I'll see a California come into town and be like, Oh, this is going to boom. Like there's a place here called Kendall Yards. And it was supposed to boom Mm -hmm. for 10 years or five years. And it's just like, I drive through there and I'm like, this is still like not a place I want to live. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I talked to a lot of people who live in Oakland for a long period of time. They always say the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, we waited 10 years. It didn't boom. It only boomed like last five years. Oh, really? I never really thought about the the 10 Mm -hmm. year period. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting to hear. I think that's very optimistic, the investors, uh, the optimistic view the investors have. is like every, anywhere I invest will super gentrify, increase in value very quickly. But I think people have to remember like real estate is a slow man's game. Like you get rich so slow, you know? You just have to be patient for it. It is. I'm so glad you said that because I feel like when I go to these meetups, it feels like everyone's doing all these things yeah. and I'm like the slug. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get the shiny penny syndrome, which I can get into later if we hit one of your questions down here. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's good that you, you end up picking a niche inside real estate. Uh, I think that when people first start in real estate, they always, say, Oh my God, I got a flipping. He's making so much money. Oh my God. I got, he bought an apartment. He makes so much money. I feel like having the shiny object syndrome like actually pulls you further away from your goals. I think that if you sit back and just pick a niche that fits your personality best, I think whatever you pick, you're going to be able to succeed in it if you stick with it for an extensive period of time and put in the work necessary to get to the expert level, you know? I love that. Okay, so I look at Facebook a lot and I follow all these groups and that you just said that. So this guy... He was this dorky guy. I'm not going to say names. I don't even remember his name, but he's on my Facebook. <laughs> and he was like, he's been in every like meetup that has to do with, um, with land development. Right. And I just see this guy and I've been seeing him struggle for a year and he finally did a deal. And I was so happy for him. And it's like, this is a guy you'd have no, you'd be like, there's no way this guy's going to make a deal. And he did it and he uh-huh. partnered with someone and did it. And so I definitely believe like just sticking with it and he stuck with it and he did the mailers and he knocked on doors. He did all the dirty work. Mm-hmm. made it and I was like if this guy can do it then anyone can do it <laughs> yeah yeah just gotta pick your niche okay uh, what kind of advice would you give someone that's starting out into real estate okay I didn't want to give really stupid advice because I hear a lot of stupid advice so I wrote this mm-hmm. out ahead of time okay so <laughs> first one, I got like well, how many do I I got like 10 pieces of advice and they're good uh-huh. but they're not going to seem good unless you've already gone through it I feel so when you already do this read a ton and get really pumped mm-hmm. like I'm sure you're already pumped. If you have anyone listening to this, they're already pumped. 
And then two, this one's from Daniel. And so if you don't know Daniel or if you haven't interviewed him yet, maybe he'd be a good one. Daniel okay. D. Ask really, really stupid questions. Mm-hmm. Like, I ask stupid questions every day. Like I still, I've been on a million under contract so many times. I've closed on multiple properties and I still am just like, who like, okay. Like when you're closing a property, I was like, does, do I have to send the tenant agreement to escrow or the agent? Like who's going to get that and make sure that that shows up in my closing document. Cause I'm like, what if the tenant pays rent ahead of time? Um, and so I just learned today that in Washington, it's the escrow who deals with that. <laughs> so, and if you're in another state, you won't have escrow. You'll have maybe a lawyer deal with that or whatever your state does. So ask your stupid questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Nothing wrong with stupid questions. Yeah. That's how you um, learn. Yes, exactly. And you taught me a lot of things with my stupid flipper questions. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, number three is when you're forming your team. And so in real estate, I feel like a lot of people say like, I'm going to form a team. And all that means is like, it's a bunch of 1099 people who like you're friends with. Uh I feel like you want to pick people who aren't sketchy. Um, and you want to be like really critical of who you pick on your team, Mm -hmm. um, and vet them if possible. And I, I believe you should like be friends with the people on your team. So like our handymen and everyone that we work with here. So I have like a big team of people I can call on. They're all in like the refrigerator here and in my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, like my mom will feed them. Like we invite them to holiday parties. Like they shouldn't be like your, your slave or something. They should be your friend. And so I'm a big proponent of that. And yeah. Mm-hmm. What are the other ones I have? Um, and then, okay, this is my big one. Ignore the shiny penny. So what you just said, the shiny objects. So you're going to hear whoever your viewers are, if they haven't started yet, they're going to hear so many awesome ideas of mm-hmm. all these people making, like, I just got an invite and I think this is like our own meetup, like zero to seven figures. And I'm like, this is so, I don't want to be that guy, but like, this is a ridiculous title for a meetup. And this is, I think one of our meetups. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> like, don't get like these grandiose ideas, like start small and just do mm-hmm. one easy thing. So you can get excited about it and like not feel like a failure. So I climb all those small wins. Yes. So I climb and there was a study and it showed that you should like, if you're in like a rock climbing gym or whatever, you should do the easy routes first. So you feel, feel good. And then you can do the harder ones. I absolutely agree with that one. Those, those are my few that's less than 10, but the rest are redundant. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I definitely agree. Like having those small wins really add up and again, and through time you gain momentum too. Yes. That's, that's how I feel. That's good though. I mean, I know that you, you currently own rentals. What are some of the challenges that you face owning rental properties? Um, okay. I face so many. What do I face? Um, so I, I manage right these things as well, like with my family and it's just like the little thing, like we had a call yesterday and I don't like to see, like, I don't want to see people like I'm lazy and I just got out of work. And so my mom is like, Hey, she's my prop. She's like the main property manager. And like, we've always managed things together in the RV resort everywhere we've worked. Mm-hmm. She's like, go fix this door. So I, I called my brother. I'm like, Mason, can you drive over here? So we show up at the tenant's house in our crummy car. We go to fix this door. I'm holding up the door. Is this like little stuff? It's like, should I hire someone to do this? Or is this going to be a short enough amount of time where it's just like, I'll fix it myself. Mm-hmm. So here we are like screwing and stuff. And at the end, I'm like, we blew an hour. I should have just hired someone to do this. Mm-hmm. So figuring out like the balance of like, when should I hire someone versus do it myself? Okay. That's one. And then of course, deal finding. Mm-hmm. And then money. Of course, everyone has the money deal finding 
<laughs> we stated earlier, find the money first, then the deal yes. comes. <laughs> the opposite of what most people would suggest. Yes. I feel like, I think the way to find the money first is like you excite people who make good money mm-hmm. and are lazy and want that um, feeling of ownership. Mm-hmm. Like, and are sick of stocks. I'm pretty sick of stocks and I have a whole bunch. <laughs> I'm like, I lost a hundred dollars yesterday. This is bogus. hundred dollars. Uh, not too bad, Alice. Thank you. I just don't, I don't like losing money, but yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, to go back a little bit, your family, how many units does your fa- you and your family manage? Um, so, yeah, we used to do 170, and wow. the motels we did, like, what was 50 or something. So we're used to, like, big scale, but the ones I personally own, I just own, like, a few. It's four units, but we're, like, expanding as we speak. I'm under contract for more units, so okay. um, I didn't want to expand until I figured out, like, how are we going to scale and do we have the equipment? So like I've had to buy like lawnmowers and all this stuff. And that's why I don't believe in buying in multiple locations. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll hear from these syndicates, like we're going to buy f- or whatever mm-hmm. 30 houses here and 20 here. And I'm just like, Oh, like just buy the hundred houses in one spot and a <laughs> hundred units. And then you have it all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very optimal, right? Cause you have everything in one place. Yes. I do not like lawnmower shopping. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can agree with you in that one. <laughs> Um, let's talk about what if you did your real estate career all over again, what would you have done differently? This one is like, I can't, is not under my control, but I would have been more like woke sooner. So mm-hmm. I lived in Seattle and I don't know how to fix this one, but I, I had money and I was like putting in the stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, but something I can control, like, like I had money, I put in the stocks, but I remember seeing all these properties, like foreclosed, foreclosed. Now they're worth a million bucks. They were on sale for like 400,000. I'm just like, wow, I can't even go back to Seattle. Like when I do, it just hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, I didn't make that much, but I could have bought all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what would I have done? To, I would have cut out people who are really negative, who like don't have my vision. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't like cut out family, but I would have like I had so many tech friends who were like, what are you doing? And they said I was stupid when I was under contract. Um, and I was like listening to them and it was getting second thoughts. I'm glad I didn't actually listen to them. So like mm-hmm. not listening to people who aren't doing great things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the, the circle that you associate yourself with really influenced the way you think. You are the sum of five people we hang out with. Have you ever, okay, you should do this thing. And everyone who's viewed this, I've never heard this before. Take the salaries of all the people, the five people. <laughs> I got the exact, exact, my salary is equal to the five people. Uh-huh. And one of those makes zero dollars because it's a family member. And I was like, oh my God. So it factors in and it's totally true. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I never heard of that one before. I heard <laughs> of some of five people you hang out with, but you're, you took it one step further. Some of my salaries you hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm shallow, but I'm honest. All right. I'll keep that one in mind. <laughs> um, Alice, what is your favorite book? Okay. I was thinking about this. I have a lot of favorites. Of course, you get to do the rich dad, poor dad, but everyone has done that song and dance. So I'm not going to say that. There's one I read recently called The Gambler. Have you read it? The Gambler. Not yet. What is it about? Okay. So it's about, so if, the, if you watched The Aviator, Mm-hmm. Okay, I love the aviator. So the, the aviator is about Howard Hughes, and I like love Howard Hughes because they're riskless. So this guy's about Kirk Kerkorian. Mm-hmm. Kirk Kerkorian was a real estate mogul in Las Vegas. He didn't okay. start out like that. He started out like with no money, 
Um, the Gambler is an awesome book. Um, think of it like that Howard Hughes type story, mm-hmm. but another guy. And so he's passed away. He passed away in like the 2000s, but it was an awesome book. It's super inspiring. It's just like, wow, like you can go from zero to something. And, and I, so I'll say this too. I used to read a lot of how-to books and you probably noticed this. They like repeat. Mm-hmm. Now I really like biographies. Mm-hmm. I think they're really good reads. So good. I, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, so Alice, I know you have a startup called easytrustmaker.com. What was the inspiration behind the startup and why'd you decide to do it? So this was twofold. It was because of real estate and cause I got obsessed with death. So I'm knocking <laughs> on wood literally here. Okay. So <laughs> it's a great question. Okay. So I bought this so the first one. I bought this property and then I bought another property. And then by the time I got the second one, I was like, Oh, my parents rely on me like, and they're my property managers. Like what's going to happen? Like who's going to manage the properties when I'm dead. Mm-hmm. And so then I got obsessed with, it was that too. And then also I was a real estate agent at the time, like actively mm-hmm. and doing reverse searches in probate in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And it was like the creepiest thing. And I'm just reverse searching everybody and looking at the, like <laughs> all the dead people's like property. And I was like, this is creepy. Oh my God. And then my grandfather died and that was really, I was like, holy crap. Now it's like going to go to probate, but it didn't because he had had a living trust. Mm -hmm. um, With all that combined, I was like, I went to a lawyer and I'm like, I'm going to hire a lawyer to make my living trust. I was super excited because I was like, I'm adulting. (laughs) I'm going to get this thing done. So I did it and it costed Mm $2,000. And at the end, I get this document and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like my name was in all caps. Cause he just like entered my name into a system and it mm-hmm. pumped out a, a generic template. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I was like, this should be cheaper, easier and better. Like there's other companies that do this online, but I was like, these are still crappy. So that's how the idea came about. Wow. That's, that lawyer that's was a rip off. You're so talented. You're CEO. You're no, not at all. It, it was a, investor. a pain. I don't know if I would do it again, but if, if you haven't done it, whether it's me or someone else, definitely do it for your properties. Okay, we'll mention that in the, sh- in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. Alice, as we, you know, at the end of our show, how can the viewers find out more about you and how can you reach you? Yeah, um, so they can reach me at alicejoyk at gmail.com mm-hmm. or you can just Google my name, Alice Karsavar, which is K-A-R-S-E-V-A-R. Mm-hmm. And all my information is Google oh friendly. <laughs> well, I can't get married now. My SEO is so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for your time, Alice. I really enjoyed this, this interview. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good mm-hmm. luck. Are you flipping right now? Or? Yeah, well, we'll talk in a bit. But okay, yeah, cool. thank you, Alice. Thank you. Mm-hmm.